Hey folks, this is John Knudsen and this is um, a video or podcast that's in conjunction with the Rochester College podcast, the RC podcast. Uh, lots of things to catch you up with. It's going to be a general news real quick and then uh, we're going to get into a topic today that I think is important to talk about and I invite you into that conversation. You're welcome to contact me uh, or leave comments on YouTube or whatever you'd like uh, to kind of join us with that conversation. And so uh, this podcast can be found on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Uh, it can also be uh, found on YouTube, and that will be kind of its primary place to leave comments. Uh, SoundCloud, I believe, also lets you leave comments if you'd like. So find us there. Uh, be able to check in and uh, be a part of this conversation because I think it's uh, pretty important what we have lined up. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things first. Uh, like I said, this is the RC podcast. We're really excited about it. We've had to take uh, a bit of a break. I'm really the person doing the heavy lifting and so I'll take the blame uh, for not necessarily uh, having anything posted in the past uh, six to eight months uh, primarily lots going on here at Rochester College one of the big announcements that happened at homecoming this year was just about a month ago is that Rochester College is officially becoming Rochester University uh, projected to be changed over by August of 2020 and if you ask an IT guy, it's uh, a great change. I think it's the right direction for uh, the school to go. However, uh, the amount of work that is going to be involved in changing everything over from Rochester College to Rochester University is monumental. It's humongous, the amount of stuff that has to be done. And so... Uh, bear with us. Uh, this also might mean slow podcasts if you're interested in keeping up with this um, form of, of information. Uh, but uh, please come along for the ride. I'll try my best to keep up with uh, updating the podcast, updating the YouTube channel so that we can uh, certainly keep you in the conversation. So uh, RC is becoming RU, and there's about a, a year and a half transition happening there. Uh, we're really excited about it. We've actually pretty much been operating like a university for uh, six or seven years, maybe. Um, we offer master's courses and a bunch of other things, but in order for us to, I think, uh, this is unofficial, by the way, this is just kind of as I see it, I think for the outside world looking in, they want to know what sort of institution we are, and we regularly get conversations or comments like, oh, you're Rochester Community College. And really, that's not the point. We're uh, a Christian liberal arts school, and I think changing things to Rochester University will help us uh, put forward, uh, you know, the unsaid uh, mention that no, we're a four-year school and uh, we're, you know, very much so uh, a higher education learning opportunity that's available in the Northeast. So uh, among our sister schools, we're the most north. I think uh, OVU is probably uh, around there somewhere and um, maybe York. I don't know. I don't know how it all lays out on the map, but we are the in the northeast of the states. We're probably one of the, the northernmost. Uh, we have a, a technology conference that is hosted at all of our sister schools. You know, everybody kind of takes a turn, and we all travel around to each other's schools. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet the other IT departments, which is really cool, uh, in February. But in Michigan in February, we're usually uh, slammed with snow. And so uh, I commonly get uh, southern schools concerned about, hey, how should I be dressing for this event uh, should I be, you know, uh, wearing layers and all sorts of things like that? But, you know, in general, we have a good time. They only come up here once every six years. And so uh, they, they handle it fairly well. Uh, but anyways, all that to say, 
I'm not really sure what I was saying there, but anyways, we're we're turning into uh, Rochester University. We're quite excited about it. It's going to be, um, you know, a big change that's coming down the pipes and it's going to involve a lot of work, but uh, I think it'll be for the better in the long run. A couple of housekeeping items as we kind of get going. So this podcast, although we um, haven't been doing very much with it recently, I really do want to do something with it. And so uh, we're going to be having more of these kind of uh, interviews, but also these one-on-ones with me and a conversation in the comments and that sort of thing um, a lot more because scheduling and, and the way it's kind of working out, I think we need to have more conversations about technology, especially in academic settings or in the business world or however uh, you connect to us, whether you're an alumni or not or a student or not or However, uh, maybe you're just a member in the community or you're just tuned in because you found us somehow. Uh, you are a part of this conversation. I want you to, f- you to feel like you are and have the opportunity to contribute to the conversations uh, that we're having. But, um, you know, we're, we're trying hard to leverage this a little bit to create conversations, especially about technology, but about our community uh, around the internet. And so uh, feel free to join in. One of the things, though, that we have found is that in order for us to um, keep the podcast coming and posted, uh, it actually is going to require us to purchase some space online, and that's not free, unfortunately. And so I'm putting money together kind of on my own personal level. And uh, with that being said, there is a Patreon page that I will leave in the comments on YouTube uh, and also in the comments on the podcast. And so if you find it in your heart that you like the conversations that are starting to be had here at the podcast and you have a couple bucks this year that you'd like to uh, send over to us, we'd really appreciate it. It'll actually help me personally because right now I'm just kind of, like I said, doing all the heavy lifting and paying for the space. And until we do that, we have to take down the old podcasts, some of the originals, and uh, put up the new ones. And so uh, we're limited in the space that we can have and we're limited in how what we can do without purchasing that space. So check out that Patreon page. We would really appreciate it. So let's jump into this conversation that, that I'm setting up here. And the topic today, as you probably read in the title, is uh, technology and where it's going. I want to touch on two kind of... Uh, two hands of this conversation. The first being what I'm actually really excited about. So it's no big secret that uh, John Knudsen is an Apple user and be that as it may, however you feel about it, I am actually uh, quite well connected with the Apple world and um, I use the devices quite regularly. I have a laptop that's actually school issued. You know, I have a cell phone, I have an iPad, uh, I have Apple things at home and so uh, once you buy into the ecosystem, just like any phone system, you know, Samsung set up the same way, uh, Droid is set up the same way, it, once you buy in entirely, uh, and maybe Google is the, the most recent um, great example of this, is, you know, you, they have Google Wi-Fi, they have Google Phones, they have Chromecasts, they have a whole systems that are all kind of integrated into each other, and so that... Uh, ecosystem that you purchase obviously works better and better with the more devices that you add. So um, I am an Apple guy. I've been that way for many years. I actually was converted back in college when I was going to school here at Rochester, uh, probably 15 years ago now. I was converted by a IT guy that worked in this department. And he said, oh yeah, you should just, you know, go with the iBook. There's a throwback. 
and uh, I saved my pennies and actually had a, a, a wealthy family member pass away, which ended up funding the remainder of that iBook because that's what it need. That's what you need sometimes as a college student. Uh, somebody has to die in order for you to get an Apple device, which is really sad. But uh, we uh, eventually started purchasing, you know, devices. No more family members had to die, and I was able to, you know, pay for it on my own accord. But anyway, so uh, it's no no big secret that I'm an Apple guy, and I'm really quite excited about the, uh, you know, all of the announcements that have recently come out. Of course, uh, Techtober has just kind of wrapped up, and we're still kind of going with it in. Uh, November, there's still all sorts of announcements and that sort of thing that have happened in November with technology. But of course, Apple had their big event and announced their new iPad Pro and announced the new iPad uh, Pencil and uh, uh, you know the new Air. All that stuff has just recently come out. Uh, go to Apple.com, check out all those new updates. Really quite impressive things and where the technology has led them. I believe that this cycle personally, uh, sorry, we're getting into Apple right now. I believe that this cycle in, in Apple is one of the very few technology cycles that Apple has put out where the upgrades are actually worth it. Okay, like in the past, it was minor upgrades. I really did not like this iPhone S business that they were doing. They had, you know, 6 and then 6S, and it was just basically a, stack, uh, a, a stat bump. And it was brutal. I hated it. Uh, I, I felt like it was a it was a cop out, and that uh, that was not the original intention of how Apple worked when they launched the iPhone. The next um, several upgrades, and then it, it and it it's this way throughout the entire uh, beginning of really this company's uh, explosion of popularity. But they would have these humongous announcements, you know, every time in the classic Steve Jobs line when he was presenting was, well, there's just one more thing. And that was becoming almost expected. Well, then, you know, <laughs> tragically, the, you know, Steve passes away and this new guy is supposed to take over and uh, and run the ship. And that is not fair. I mean, really, Tim, D uh, Tim Cook, who is now, you know, in charge, basically had the deck stacked against him. And I think he has done an excellent job transitioning uh, from Steve to him in that sort of capacity as best he could. Um, and, you know, experience is, is worth a lot. And so now that he's been in this for several years, he has his own way of delivering information. There's a, you know, good and bad. But s same with Steve. I mean, when Steve was alive, that's how I felt as well. So technology is really moving leaps and bounds. And I think the Apple world has a lot to offer right now. I believe that the last cycle of technology has really... Uh, this one has been really worth it in terms of if I were to ever upgrade my laptop, which is a MacBook Pro, I would probably move to a MacBook Air because the Air, you know, all of my data is cloud-based. It's all encrypted online. Um, and so to access that stuff, I don't need a huge hard drive. I don't need a lot of moving parts. Unfortunately, they got rid of all the USB ports, which is USB-C. We can do a whole video on that, but the universal, non-universal port. But we don't... Um, necessarily need to sorry I'm connected here to my computer I may just mute that while I'm while I'm talking to you this is the the price you pay for trying to kill two birds with one stone so we'll go with that uh, I don't know if that will help or not but maybe this okay anyway uh, so 
I believe that Apple has actually had a true technology cycle where now the upgrades are worth it and now um, that is the changes that have happened would actually make me consider upgrading. I did like the move with the iPhone, by the way, um, that they finally are kind of putting to rest the numbers, the, the number versions of the phone. But, uh, you know, the iPhone 8 was kind of the last hurrah. They did not do an 8S, thank you. And instead, they did a, a lower key version of the 10. But they didn't really. And there's a great video by Marquez. Uh, if you don't know who he is and you work in the technology world, you might want to reassess your values. Marquez is one of the top technical reviewers right now on YouTube. He is everywhere and he's invited to everything. And so check him out if you haven't already. He's much more engaging and his videos are much more professionally done than anything you're going to see on this channel. But uh, he goes over the iPhone uh, 10 and 10 are, I believe, and kind of compares and contrasts them and says, uh, it's a spoiler alert, is that if you're coming from a 6, a 7, an 8, and you move to the 10R, that is, a, that is a leap into the current future of the technical world. But if you already have an iPhone 10, or, you know, the, the oversized 10, and you are looking at the changes that have recently have, obviously, it would be a lateral move if, you know, if that... Um, and the upgrade to the 10, it's just not worth it right now, especially at the price tag, the heavy flagship price tag of cell phones. Um, you know, you're better to just stick with your 10 right now and wait for the next cycle. And so if you're looking to get into the flagship game and you want to go with the, the brand new iPhone, you know, 10, go with it, pay your money. You're paying, you know, the premium, but that, but you know that doing that on the flip side though, the, um, the, 10R is actually a great substantial jump into, you know, facial recognition and a bunch of other things. Um, the only thing that I think Marquez really draws a, a difference is the specs are a little bit lower in the camera. And so a lot of us are not doing professional photography on our phones. Too many of us are taking selfies and doing whatever. And that's, uh, you don't need a, a big giant camera with depth of field and all that sort of thing for just simple photos of you know, our average days. And so one of the, the rude awakenings, now I'm going off on a rant, everybody. One of the rude awakenings when it comes to pictures is uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account, this maybe you don't know this, but if you have an Amazon Prime account, you have unlimited photo storage, and at least here in the States. And uh, if you link your phone with your Amazon Prime Photos account, you can have it where it just auto, every time you take a picture, it just dumps it into the archive. And then once a week, you just go through your phone and wipe all the pictures off of it and start over. Well, if you do that for however long I have had iPhones, which is since I think iPhone 3 is, was my first, if you do that um, since all the way back then and you sync all your photos over, you, ends up, you end up with tens of thousands of photos. And then the conversation of like, am I really going to look at all these pictures? And like, just, I had, I, my first child was born in 2014. And just the amount of photos that we have documenting her life in four years, this is the end of 2018 when you're list. Well, when I'm recording this, uh, just in four years, the the level of photos that are just of her that Amazon Photos auto detects, not even the ones that are in her like photo album, but like it has facial recognition, and so it can tell you this many photos of your daughter have been taken. And and the facial recognition thing is kind of hit or miss with Amazon, but uh, let's just say it's it's edging close to 
um, five digits. And so like we're talking 10,000 photos almost. And again, you sit back and you think like, okay, like we snap a couple of pictures and we send them to the cloud and then we have those forever. But it's kind of like all those homework assignments that your mother kept in the, in the Rubbermaids in the basement. And then when you moved out of the house, she handed them to you and said, here's your schoolwork from grade three. Like, okay. I'm going to look at it, but like, am I going to keep this? Am I like, you feel obligated to keep it in some respects, but then in other ways you kind of want to just send it to the wind and say, okay, well, my daughter's going to be bringing home the same caliber work, hopefully better, uh, you know, in just a couple of years. And so maybe I should, you know, get rid of this and whatever. But all of that to say, I am very excited where technology is going. I, I am not well-versed in Android devices. I follow them briefly. I know that Google has gotten huge marks with their recent phone that just came out. I know that Google is getting off the charts uh, when it comes to their new Wi-Fi mesh network, which I've actually had several requests for people to install, for me to install them at their homes, in their businesses. And uh, that's kind of my recommendation right now. For, uh, it used to be Unify, and there are many applications where that is still the best uh, way to go, especially if you start getting complex and you want to go outdoors and all that sort of stuff. But in general, like, man, Google just killed it with this latest um, Google Wi-Fi. And so check that out, store.google.com, and just follow the links to Google Wi-Fi. Uh, the mesh network, the individual unit is great, and that's good for like, I don't know, they say 1,200 square feet, but take that with a grain of salt. But if you add three of them, then it locks it up to like 4,600 square feet or, or like 4,000 square feet or something like that. Like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And so check them out. If you're looking for a better Wi-Fi system, if you have dead spots in your home, check that out. That's a huge, a, a really huge advancement in technology and a one that I'm super excited about that I think that uh, the average consumer can benefit. And if you have then like Google Chromes, if you have Google Homes, if you have, you know, Google devices, Google Minis, like I've got several of those. Now, all of a sudden, these languages, which are coded by basically the same departments, are now all talking to each other in common languages, where you don't have to have, you know, Wi-Fi is the common language. No, now all the code is the same. And so that's a big uh, difference in terms of accelerating um, data transfer and all that sort of good stuff. So technology is really moving in a cool way. And if you buy into an ecosystem like I did with, you know, Apple or like many people do with Google, I kind of straddle the fence between the two. I probably will never buy a Google phone because my entire family who live all over the United States and Canada, uh, they're all iPhone people. And so now I can text them for free. I can call them on FaceTime for free. I don't have to, um, break away from that ecosystem and, and maybe I'm tethered. I don't know. It depends on how you look at that. But now I am a part of that ecosystem and so are they. And that ecosystem now talks to each other and makes it very simple for us to, to communicate and still be a part of each other's lives, even though we're separated by thousands of miles. And so uh, I highly recommend that you consider as we are headed into 2019, you consider if you're serious about integrating technology into your life, buying into an ecosystem that will work for you because uh, Google has one, Apple has one, you know, and some of them talk really well together. Uh, the, one of the newest things, and we'll, I think I'll do a, a segment on this, a podcast on this, is smart homes and how they uh, help and hinder our lives. But uh, in general, it's the same conversation with smart homes. Um, there's 
several proprietary companies that that do it all internally and they have their own language and then there are several companies that have uh, that code in the same language but they all work independently a couple of those is like z-wave or zigbee uh, you know samsung bought smart things and so smart things has kind of its own brand it's actually zigbee by the way but uh, has its own brand and 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 conversation but it's um it's the same conversation as you're buying an ecosystem and you want them all to work well together and so as you look at maybe upgrading your phone or upgrading your computer you know, the, the one thing that hasn't done this, the one company that hasn't really done this well is Microsoft. And, and, and comment if you want in the, in the, you know, under the YouTube video or on SoundCloud or whatever, if you disagree with me on this. But I really think that Microsoft has dropped the ball on this because in good Microsoft fashion, they're focusing on business. You know, the majority of Microsoft's revenue comes from selling their product to business and being the backbone still, uh, although that's dwindling, being the backbone of the business industry. Microsoft dominated for years uh, the corporate world. And although um, the corporate world is now changing into kind of this postmodern technology era where design is now a big thing, user interface user um, usability is is huge uh, Microsoft is still trying really hard and Windows 10 did a good try but like the the Windows phone died and if you're using a Windows phone just like if you're using a Blackberry I mean you're gonna have to accept the fact that those are dead languages and that they're probably not going to be revived or if they are revived it's gonna be 10 years before that ecosystem comes back to life and so uh, right now, you know, there are other ecosystems that are working really well and that there's a ton of money, billions of dollars being poured into those industries to make them user friendly. Always consider too, like <laughs> they're, they're trying to make a product for you, but they're trying to make a product for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so they're trying as best they can to be broad about their um, their ecosystems that they're building. They're not just tailoring it to you. So you're always going to find unique things that don't work for you in this ecosystem and things that do. Hopefully you pick one that has more do's than don'ts, uh, but that's totally up to the consumer. And that's based on how much research you give, how much, um, how much buy-in you have, how much capital you invest, and eventually, you know, the implementation and how you make it work for you. Some of that is on the end user. And long ago, is it where companies would come in and promise the world and then, uh, you know, people would get upset because it doesn't, it doesn't check all the boxes. Well, they've smartened up and any industry that, that still promises you the, wor the world, obviously you need to be skeptical about because they really can't. They don't know you as an individual. And quite frankly, they have no interest in knowing you as an individual. They're interested in you purchasing their product and moving along. And so <laughs> you need to also understand that there is a, there's a particular level of buy-in on your end, commitment on your end to implement, to use it, to make it work. And if it's not working, to figure out what's wrong with it and how to make it work for you. And, and sometimes that's you know, on you to, to make that happen. Actually, more often it's on you. Here's a great example. Uh, at Rochester, we provide a wireless network. It's actually by Ruckus, and it's a great secure network. We have, you know, you're required to log in with credentials that we issue you here at the college. And, and it, it's just a really good, robust, enterprise-level system. 
and sometimes we'll have computers that come in that have issues connecting to uh you know those to to our access points now on our campus here's a little tech talk for you on our campus we have what's called a unified ssid which means that when you open your laptop or your phone you only see one network however your phone or your especially your laptop is going to be able to see multiple access points the job of ruckus is to uh, mask those into the strongest signal that you're able to get and uh, not to confuse you and so on our campus the wireless network uh, is just a single name and you click on that and then you enter in your credentials that you've been issued and you're able to get on and use the network per our policies and so obviously we control that our firewall controls that there's a lot of things in place that try and you know protect us from the outside world but also pr protect our user and so the the firewall itself and the the wireless network do a great job at that however students bring devices to campus i mean there's no there's no yeah that's an obvious factor in in offering a service people are going to show up to your office or business or school or whatever it is that you do and they're going to bring the device now a company that provides a robust wireless system for its clients is thinking about customer services is wanting that experience to be the best it possibly can be but the one thing we don't have control over is the device or the type of thing that comes to the campus and so instead we you know have to work with the student and get it to work now nine times out of ten uh, maybe that's an exaggeration but nine times out of ten the device connects fine no real issues however there are times where uh, students will come to our campus and the device will not work it won't connect and uh, it doesn't matter what they do and normally what it is is it's an update or an outdated system or something like that that we can help them kind of get up to speed with um, on the back side there is a requirement for the type of computer that is acceptable and allowed on our networks and so they have to meet those requirements and if they do the wireless is going to work and so uh, same with phones you know if you have an ancient phone if you have a Motorola flip phone it's probably not going to connect to our wireless very well but if you bring a somewhat recent you know iPhone 6 or later or a you know a droid that's running one of the most recent recent versions uh, of the operating system you should be fine but there is some level of ownership then that we have to give in technology to the user we have to say no you know if you don't bring a machine that's that's this up to date then there's you know our, our network can't help you and instead of them saying well you need to bend your network so that it always works for me even regardless of what product i bring uh, we can set the level of expectation is no if you if you come in at this level which is set fairly low mind you uh, then we will be able to help you and you'll be able to use the network and so there's a level of ownership that goes to the user well same thing here when we talk about buying ecosystems there's a level of ownership that goes to the user the user as to how is this going to be implemented have you really thought it through or did you just like the idea and so you went out and you spent five hundred dollars and you purchased you know a smart home system and try to get it to work and man it just doesn't work right or it always sends me false positives or yada 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 Seinfeld reference you know whatever it may be um, you have to buy in and there's a level of commitment there and so as you move towards technology my warning here about me being super excited about technology is you have to buy into a system uh, you don't have to but you should and if you buy into that ecosystem there's a level of commitment on your side as well and so don't let that be 
uh, daunting to you. Uh, I have my own preferences. I actually have my own smart home and my ecosystem, like I've mentioned, and uh, it works quite well. I actually make it work for me and uh, there are times where I have to perform maintenance on it and keep it up to speed, just like if I were to buy a car or buy a house or, uh, you know, buy a lawnmower, you have to do maintenance on it in order for it, for it to work. There is no such thing. Uh, I don't think there's such a thing in life that you can purchase that doesn't require some level of commitment and maintenance on your behalf. And maybe I'm wrong. And again, leave a comment in the, in the, you know, in the comments if you think of something, but really I can't think of a set it and forget it type of mentality. Uh, even the rotisserie chicken where that phrase comes from, the rotisserie chicken oven uh, that, that that dude was selling on infomercials back in the 90s. There's a level of maintenance. You've got to clean the thing. It's not set it and forget it. That's a, that's a total lie. So don't buy into that. If somebody ever sells you something and says, oh, it's just so easy, you never have to think about it, don't, don't stop them right there in their tracks, call them a liar, and walk away because they're trying to sell you things that they cannot deliver on. Anyway, buy into an ecosystem and, uh, and also commit to it. You're going to have to provide some sort of level of maintenance to it, but it will uh, serve its purpose. Make the technology serve you, not the other way around. Uh, technology works against you easily. Okay, it can, it can be leveraged against you easily if you don't commit to it and know how to use it, know how to protect yourself uh, from it, which brings me to kind of the meat of this conversation. I know I'm like almost 30 minutes into this and I haven't even gotten to the big piece of this conversation, which is what concerns me about technology in the late 2018. Uh, the primary concern that I have, and I think you don't have to look too far to find this, is technology can work against you, just like what I said. And uh, this normally happens to people who don't... Um, who don't realize the ramifications of what it is that they are doing and, uh, tech, you know, and understand uh, just how easy it is for people to get access to you and to your data. Uh, something, I mean, obviously, the uh, Facebook has, has blown up and has been trying really hard to kind of backpedal a little bit and provide some security. But Facebook is a great example of people who post stuff that don't, uh, know the ramifications of, for example, friendships, relationships, uh, uh, businesses, jobs, all these things have been lost due to a simple post on Facebook. And Twitter is kind of um, kind of the lead horse right now, we'll say, uh, because of the political climate that is in the United States and in Canada. I don't want to exclude the Canadian audience here because I have a lot of friends in Canada but I pay very close attention to it. And uh, regularly, the Canadian government is tweeting and uh, putting things out on social media that they really shouldn't uh, because they draw a lot of knee-jerk responses. So I listened to, to podcasts and, and one of the... I was coming back actually from a trip this weekend from Canada and uh, listening to a podcast about this. And the guy said, you know, like... Twitter is kind of right now the the reactionary social media. It used to be Facebook, but now Twitter is kind of in the lead. And the reason uh, that people love Twitter is you kind of really get the unedited knee-jerk reactions of a lot of people really quickly. And I think, you know, obviously, regardless what you think of him, the uh, the champion of this is probably the, the, the president of the United States right now. Uh, again, I, I'm not, not saying 
yay or nay to him being in office. But he has this uh, Twitter account that he loves to go on and, you know, send his 140 characteristics off into the world, as do a lot of people, not just him. And uh, they, they, they shoot off this little thing of information to the abyss and anybody and everybody is allowed to uh, take this information and respond. And so uh, it, it has really changed the climate in the political realm. It has really changed the climate in the media realm. And I think that the danger here that if you haven't recognized it already is people are destroyed a lot faster. Their lives are destroyed a lot faster than uh, it, they ever were. And um, this mentality now, which uh, is also a huge concern of mine, is this uh, guilty until proven in innocent idea. And you don't have to look far to find multiple cases of people who are being accused of things where there are no facts and no evidence to be provided. It's just hearsay. And so we have to really hold on to uh, the way that the, I think, the way that the judicial system is set up where, no, no, let's assume people are good before we call them bad, regardless of what um, what the evidence that has not been revealed is. Uh, pr please bring that evidence forward, uh, obviously in a timely manner as well, because the longer you leave things, the harder it is to prove. And so uh, all sorts of things have, you know, even the the Supreme Court justice and, and providing, you know, evidence 40 years later has been extremely difficult to come to sort of any conclusion. And, and that is, I think, precisely uh, this sort of volatile nature that technology is bringing is because everybody and anybody can have the loudest voice at any time and they all they have to do is log into their account. And I think that it doesn't, it, it damages others but it really damages the self. I mean, what that does to a person on the on the inside, what it how it how it shapes their mind, how it how it molds who they are, the perception that they put out to the world, uh, that people read and see, and are able to respond, you know, whether or not on in the moment or take time to reflect on it, it devalues the way that the human brain really works. Like if I sit down and I have a conversation with you, you and I are engaged in each other. We put our phones away. We put our, turn our computers off and we sit and we watch each other and we interact with one another and we're able to converse. We're able to digest what the other person is saying, internalize it, and then ask questions for clarity and in, in response say, you know, here's how I feel about that or here's how I'm responding about that or, or here's what I see or here's what I'm, I'm hearing. And we're able to have those sorts of dialogues. But social media strips all that away. I mean, oh, we can re you can respond on Facebook. You know, we can write paragraphs on Facebook. But <laughs> it, it is not a face-to-face -face conversation. And it really is not how interpersonal communication works. Technology is great because I can open my phone and I can talk to my family members who live in Texas. I'm in Michigan. Big difference, long way away. We don't get to see each other very often. However... We do get to open our phones and have a face-to-face -face conversation. Now, whether or not that is considered quality, face, literal, no pun intended, FaceTime with one another is to be seen and is to be studied and is to be researched. But where it was before, I have, I have these vivid memories of my grandmother uh, making cassette tapes for her grandchildren of stories and songs that she would sing 
and and tell and sending them to us and we would put them in the cassette player and we would hit play and listen to our grandmother's voice. So technology has come a long way in a very short period of time in my lifetime, which is, you know, 35 years. And so when we have these FaceTime conversations or Skype or whatever your preference is, I really don't care, but we have these video conversations with each other, that's much better than social media where we we could tag the person that we want to make this comment to, but then social media has this tendency to make us have a knee-jerk reaction to respond in the moment. And the news feed is, I think, the um, precise instillment of that, where we can scroll past everybody's thoughts and feelings in a moment's notice and get caught up to date in today's events. It's like you really haven't engaged at all. All you have done is taken the snippets, the highlights of the day, You've looked at the newspaper, if you will, and looked at the bolded font on the pages and thrown that newspaper away. You haven't actually read any of the content. You haven't actually had a conversation, something in depth with the actual author, and you haven't engaged really at all. And so technology is changing the way that we are encountering, encountering the world, which I see as a right now is very ineffective and really troubling. Uh, I also think that um, this is killing traditional media, uh, you know, news outlets, they are basically getting ensconced in political media, which is turn on the television, just watch the six o'clock news. Is it even on at six o'clock? I don't even know because I don't watch the news. But if you watch a news broadcast at any hour, what do you get? You get political commentary on the politics of the day. Oh, the president wants to go see North Korea again, or the, you know, so-and-so the Supreme Court said this or yada, yada. It's like, it's, it's poisoning these snippets, these quick click um, and, and to be quite honest, uh, spectacular news reports are really ruining the way that um, we see the world. And what we see less and less of, it's not gone, but we see less and less of, is the positive that is actually happening around our world. Um, the fact that, you know, people are donating money at unbelievable rates these days to help uh, revive cities. Just look at the city of Detroit, and and there are two lenses that you can see there. You can see a city that's been abandoned, essentially, uh, that has been abandoned at its core, or you can go downtown and you can look at the massive amounts of money and investments that have gone in to revive certain strips, which is the the building blocks of rebuilding a city. So there are two lights that you can view that exact same story in positive or negative, optimistic or pessimistic. I will tell you that, again, this might be an exaggeration, but nine times out of 10, I don't have a statistical data to back that up, by the way, but regularly you're going to hear the negative about a city like Detroit than you will the positive. And I believe that it, consuming media at, at a rate like that constantly is poisoning us as consumers. And I think technology delivers that incredibly efficiently, which uh, makes me very concerned because I wish technology was used to reiterate positive stories. And these, I remember several years ago, it was quite popular to post videos of uh, soldiers who were coming home from the from wars and uh, they were surprising their families at the front door at school or the, they're walking into their children's classroom and like, oh, you'd watch these stories and they would just 
oh, they'd kill you because this father has been away basically putting his life on the line and basically saying, I'm willing to risk it all. And then he didn't have to give it all. And he gets to come home and hug his kids or, or, or see this, you know, even the one where the dog is super excited to see his owner, you know, like he's just over, like just can't contain himself. It's just obvious that the dog is really excited. And it's like, like these stories of just positive things of, of bringing people home and, and, and reuniting or, or rebuilding or, uh, up and coming or, or real good things. Those stories do not bring the same sort of viewership that negative ones do. And that is just a t- statistical fact, which is why we get a lot more negative uh, news than we do positive. Because an industry like the media is based on money and viewership. And so people will tune into negative stories more than they will the positive. My fear is, is that it poisons the consumer. It really does. It shapes our hearts. It shapes our minds. And it ruins us uh, in terms of our outlook on the world. Things can never be good again. Things can never be positive. And it really kind of uh, spins a negative light. Whereas if we were being, if we were consuming, consuming positive stories, it would make a big difference. And I think technology can do that. I just think it's being... Um, it's being abused to show the negative. Um, so I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I, I'm very concerned about the way technology is being used. I, I'm, and, and in conjunction with that, I'm, confu- I, I'm quite concerned about the level of undiagnosed addiction that goes with technology. So, so this negative stream of data, okay, this negative stream of data has the ability to efficiently deliver data, ones and zeros. Let's just, let's just uh, sterilize this conversation for a second. The devices are able to bring this, these ones and zeros into your intimate lives so much better than, it, than they were able to five years ago. And the technology in general, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, statistical data, you would say technology has a leapfrog effect every three months. And you think, well, you know, my phone doesn't get upgraded every three months. No, but the technology itself, the research level, the amount of resource, excuse me, the amount of resources that go into these sorts of technology is basically doubled every three months. And so you can imagine the amount of power and performance and uh, efficiency that has ramped up over the past five years. It has just unbelievably, catastrophically leapfrogged itself. And, uh, and to its credit, they've done it incredibly efficiently. However, the type of data that they're bringing into your home has the ability to create addicts. And I don't necessarily mean, uh, you know, to the extremes, I, you know, there are powerful chemicals in this world that can that can ruin a person. Um, you know, obviously drugs is one of them. Alcohol is another. Um, but there are things that technology can do to your brain that can also create addictions. And the early one that came out was obviously pornography. But uh, there are several people can be addicted to Facebook, to social media. They can be addicted to 
constantly needing to be on their phones. And we see that quite often. I mean, shoot, you can open another browser and look up um, distracted walking. And you can literally watch hours of people falling into ponds and falling downstairs because they're glued to their phone, running into each other. Two people on phones literally hitting each other because they uh, weren't looking up. And so, you know, addiction to technology can um, not not only addiction to the things technology brings, but things addiction to technology itself uh, is highly disturbing for an IT guy. My job is to efficiently implement and uh, execute technology so that it can be used and utilized in an, in an academic environment to make sure, that, to boil it down, make sure the lights are on so that students can learn efficiently with the tools available to them here at Rochester. Uh, that's my job. My job is to make sure that it is as efficient as possible. And uh, yet I also have this other hand that is is weighing the ramifications of how much technology do we implement before it becomes a crutch. And a great example of this is a teacher who can't teach without a PowerPoint. Uh, sometimes we get frantic phone calls because uh, the, a professor is, is needing to uh, get on the computer and their credentials don't work or PowerPoint doesn't work or the, or the, or the projector is burned out or the sound doesn't work. And it can be a variable, dozens of variables. It can be multiple things. Somebody could go in classroom and unplug the computer. Well, the teacher's not going to know how to support that. We take care of that at the help desk. And so we go down there, we try and get them up and running. But... Uh, this is a classic example of a, of a teacher who doesn't have a plan B. And so they can't, um, they can't teach their lesson without their slides. And that is a problem. That is now technology is a crutch. It's not an aid. It's a crutch. They have to have it in order to teach the content instead of using it to their advantage. But if, if it wasn't there, they could still teach the content. See the difference? Like the difference is one, I have to have it or this course will not get taught. The other is I have it and it's an incredible tool when it works. If it doesn't work, well, the students don't get to get to experience the technology, but we're going to move forward. And so uh, that is a classic example. Now, granted, that doesn't happen very often here at Rochester. Our teachers are outstanding and excellent and they do a wonderful job. And uh, it's very rare that that example happens, but that is a classic example of technology that is no longer an aid, but a crutch. And so uh, that happens all over the world where, um, have you ever gone into a, a had sat down and had a conversation with somebody and said, let's, let's turn off our phones. And the look of horrifying uh, 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 bewilderment crosses their face. Turn off the phone? Like I'll put it on silent or I'll put it in my pocket but I would never turn it off. If you are at that space, if you are at that um, moment in time, an IT guy is telling you it's okay to turn off your phone. And quite frankly, if that causes you anxiety, you probably need to talk to somebody about that because technology should not cause you any level of anxiety, whether you have it or you don't. And uh, if you had to live without it, that should be okay with you. Because I don't think that the idea, I don't think there was anyone maliciously at the technology company when they were building your device who thought, I want this device to be so integrated in their lives that they can't go to bed without checking it once. 
there's a uh, there's a large uh, study out right now, and a guy um, uh, Linus Tech Tips or or I forget what he what he goes by, but basically he has a channel called Tech Quickie, and this little it's a little three or four minute video, and they they talk about certain things and he recently came out with one actually one of his associates came out with a video about blue light and why is it so bad and and what's the issue with sleeping and and all that and they go into a very good description uh maybe i'll put a link to that video in my video so that you can check that out uh but the the overall summary spoiler alert i do that a lot on this thing apparently um is that blue light uh, which is also the same white light that is in uh, bright 5000 kelvin lights like the ones that i have here in my office they actually tell your brain to wake up because that is the same as the sun. And so the sun, sunlight helps your body. It's actually designed that way, believe it or not, which is another, uh, I think, points directly to a creator of creation. But, you know, that's a different discussion for a different type of podcast. But uh, the sun is designed to help our brains uh, wake up and get going. Well, we have become masters of light. We, we understand how it works and, and, and how it travels. We understand uh, that there are certain restrictions on light, but we also know that you can change the temperature. So you can buy a 2300 Kelvin light. You can buy a, a 3500 Kelvin light. You can buy a 5000 to 7000. And the, the higher up on the scale you go, the more blue the light becomes. And you might know this as maybe you took a, oh, I'm sorry, maybe you took a photo uh, outside and it came out really blue. Well, that's that's a cold picture is what you would you know call that. But you can certainly go into the editing functions and change the warmth of the photo. You can turn it down to 2300 Kelvins or something. And then all of a sudden the photo looks normal. It looks like it did the day you took it. Well, that is blue light is what that is. Uh, that is light that has more blue aspect ratio to it than the, than the other qualities, which would maybe we would call warm light or yellow. Uh, type of light. And this wasn't really a, a part of the conversation until we started installing these, you know, 5000 Kelvin lights in our house, because they depict other colors more accurately, which is why people do that. Some people say, Oh, I hate that white light. But really, it helps us helps our vision see colors as they were intended to be seen. And so that's why people install them in their homes, because they want the paint on the walls to look like the blue they purchased in the store, which is also white light, by the way, uh, apart from maybe if they put in 2300. Now, maybe that gray now looks a little brown, which actually happened at my house. Uh, we had painted the walls gray, but then we had 2300 Calvin lights in the, you know, in the house. And all of a sudden, everything looked really uh, brown, which was weird. And so we installed 5,000 Kelvin lights in the living room and everything looked gray again. So that's, that's why, however, uh, blue light also wakes up our brains. And so when we lay down in bed and we look at our phone, it's emitting blue light. Now, there have been a few technology advancements over the past several years that have helped us combat that where of like night mode and it changes the screen to be uh, a fair bit more yellow and it eliminates the level or it brings down the level of blue light that you uh, see on your phone. And so it helps your brain not to think it's time to wake up, but that it's actually time to sleep. The best remedy for people who uh, are having trouble sleeping at night with technology in the home is to not look at the phone uh, two hours before you go to bed. And this is a good gauge of whether or not your brain is being wired to be addicted to technology if you can't uh if you if you can't not be on your device phone computers ipads 
uh, tablets, uh, all that sort of stuff. If you if you have to be on it, um, then that's a good uh, indication that perhaps you should reevaluate your level of usage with your device. Now, none of this is certified, licensed technology psychology advice. This is just an IT guy who has been using phones for 20 years, who has been using a device for quite a long time, who had some of the original computers ever built, uh, uh, original consumer level computers ever built in his basement, you know, with the green and black screen and then the, and then the brown and black screen and then the yellow and then the, the what eventually ended up being the gray, uh, the gray font on the black DOS background. And then, you know, eventually Windows 3.1 came around. And, and I know there were other operating systems before that, but that was kind of the mainstream enter level of Windows. And then, you know, onward, Windows 95, Windows... Oh, man. Anyways, you get the picture. This is a guy who's used technology for a long time and who understands the ramifications and who is constantly reevaluating his usage of technology uh, because I use it every day, all day for my job. And so I have to really reconsider how it is that I'm implementing this on the other t free time that I have in my life. And so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, maybe talk to somebody you trust about that. Maybe talk to somebody um, that you don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody who's qualified to have those conversations with you so that uh, you can re constantly keep that in check. That is a concern. So kind of just going over what we talked about, I'm really excited about where technology is going and about how these ecosystems are being built. I'm also very concerned about uh, the level of usage, the level of what I will casually call addiction, which is not a casual term, uh, but people who seem to use technology who are, who are um, ensconced in these conversations that we're having on Twitter or that we're having on Facebook uh, Facebook is kind of like your mom's social media now, uh, according to the to the teens and the students here at the college. But uh, you know, Twitter is kind of that next level. Snapchat, uh, you know, Instagram. These are all things, uh, social media platforms that people are using, and maybe not considering how much they're using and what that actually means for them further down the road, because it will shape and change you. Anything that you let into your life that close. Uh, anything that you commit information of your personal affairs into that device, your personal life, um, that will change who you are. What you expose to the social media world will change who you are. And so it may not seem like it at the, at the time, but um, the more you commit to it, the more uh, you are really committing to being exposed on the internet. And so uh, really take that into consideration as we kind of go along. Anyways, uh, I'm just going to wrap things up here. I uh, really appreciate you sticking with me. I know that we're kind of getting on to almost an hour here, um, but I think it's a good conversation to have. I think it's also um, really important that you be a part of that conversation. And so whether or not you uh, send an email or you respond in the comments, check us out on YouTube or on SoundCloud. If you listen to this on the podcast and you want to comment, certainly look us up on, on those platforms and be able to uh, leave your thoughts. Um, you may consider after that big, long conversation, digesting this conversation for a couple of days before leaving a comment and really kind of let it internalize before you put your thoughts down. Try and keep your comments, uh, you know, concise so that uh, we're not writing novels, but so that I know that maybe some of us have a lot to say about this and uh, I'd be happy to have that conversation with you uh, and see where those roads lead. So uh, definitely have those conversations in your communities, uh, especially have that conversation with yourself. Be true 
in that conversation. Don't pretend to be something that uh, you are not when you're having honest conversations with yourselves because that really doesn't help you at all. Uh, instead, be real honest about it. Be honest about, all right, I'm going to set the screen time timer. Uh, Apple has this thing called screen time where you can set it where if you're on an app for too long, it'll basically lock you out of it until tomorrow, which I think is a great idea. Uh, it doesn't teach discipline. Uh, discipline is a much deeper concept, and I su suggest you... Uh, talk to, again, somebody that's qualified to train you and help you with that, campus ministers, um, you know, preachers or psychologists or uh, trusted friends or perhaps a, a parent or an adult or somebody that uh, knows you well. Um, you know, definitely if you need to have a conversation about discipline, especially in the technology world, uh, screen time uh, disciplines will not aid you in that but uh, they will help you curb some of those over usage of applications. Actually, you might be quite surprised to find out how much you use those apps without even knowing. I think the first time I set mine up, I was like five hours a day on my phone. And now I'm down to like three hours a day, which is better, but not great. And so um, checking social media and all that sort of stuff. Um, like I said, my life is in the cloud. Uh, a lot of my files and a lot of my what I do for a living is uh, cloud-based, and so I access that stuff a lot uh, through my phone and through my tablet, through my computer. But really, we could probably do better about being a lot more present in the moment and and having deeper conversations uh, with one another face-to-face -face instead of uh, 140 characteristics wherever you find your social media stuff lands. So I really uh, appreciate you joining me here on the uh, RC podcast. That name is going to change here pretty soon. We're going to be the RU podcast, which um, I don't know if I'm committed to that yet or not, but um, really thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with me. I know we've had a long absence. I'm really happy that um, that you're still along for the ride. And please tell a friend if you know anybody that's involved in the Rochester College, Rochester University uh, community, have them look us up, have a, a download, uh, helps us. That Patreon page, I do want to re-mention that again here as we close. Uh, I could really use a couple bucks to help us buy some space so we could put more podcasts up. And uh, when people are, are regularly don donating to something, uh, there's a sense of, uh, that people are, are have buy-in and they're really interested in what you're doing. And so that will motivate us to get some more stuff up on the podcast uh, site. Thank you so much. Uh, I re really appreciate you. I hope you are well. And I hope that this conversation has somehow caused you to think and will spark some sort of conversation within your own heart and your community and uh, those that surround you. Take care of yourselves. And until next time, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Take it easy. <laughs>